We're now into the second day of mourning here in the Netherlands for Peter de Vries, the investigative crime journalist. We are appalled by the apparently arbitrary killing of nine activists in simultaneous... Tonight, more bloodshed in Mexico. Another journalist killed this week in the country. Five he was known for fighting for the little guys, for trying to deny corruption. From the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime, this is the Repo Effect. This is The Ripple Effect, and I'm your host, Ana Paula Oliveira. When most politicians are elected to office at the municipal and national level, public criticism is the worst they will face. But for some politicians, they become targets for assassinations. So why is this the case? Why are politicians at risk of assassination? And what role does organized crime play? More than 100 Mexican politicians were murdered in their electoral process of 2020-2021. In Italy, 124 politicians were killed between 1974 and 2014. The ongoing murders of councillors and candidates in KwaZulu-Natal have led to nine by-elections taking place. The ANC's According to figures from the Global Initiative Global Assassination Monitor, Political killings in KwaZulu-Natal, South Africa, have reached such a level that three of the last six years the province has seen as many or more political assassinations than all other provinces combined. These murders have a serious impact on politics and communities across the world. But why are they happening? The reasons are complex and often vary from case to case. Romain Lecourt Grandmaison is a senior expert at the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime. He argues that to understand why politicians are murdered in Mexico, we need to look at how violence and crime relate to society. We should go beyond the thinking in terms of criminals versus the state. Organized crime is always connected to the system, to the economic system, to the political system. So I think it's important to understand the relationships that tie criminals and the state and political authorities as networks. It's a two-way street. It's not a question of crime infesting society. I think it's a question of understanding crime and violence as they belong to society, actually. Usually, criminal actors want to interact with the political world, including with the use of, of violence. And in that sense, again, violence becomes a political resource. And I think that's why uh, politicians become such targets in, in, in multiple environments. To my knowledge and through my research, what I see is that criminal actors, again, don't want to overthrow the state. They want to open a space of negotiation, collaboration with public authorities to have access to the system, basically, have access to the political and economic system. That access can be granted through corruption, through collaboration, through collusion, and it can also be granted through violence, actually. And in that sense, what we could be doing better is understanding that violence is not an obstacle to power, It's actually a resource for economic and political power that, that is in the hands of private actors, traffickers in that case, for example, but also public actors, for example, mayors, governors, public forces that use violence to achieve a certain array of, of political and economic objectives. 
that's the complex world Mexico lives in, basically, where violence is a resource, violence is a market that is in the hands of maybe more and more actors throughout history. And that's what's so complex about it today. Assassinations of politicians are not exclusive to Latin America. Italy has a long history of violence committed against politicians, often at the municipal level. Gemma Di Poppa is an assistant professor of political science at Brown University in the United States. Her research has led her to identify patterns in the attacks of politicians, of which there are reportedly 300 each year. In most cases, the victims are local politicians, and in particular, city mayors. The type of attack varies a lot, but the most common are to set the politician's property or the city hall on fire and to send threatening messages. But there are also uh, more traditional mafia-style attacks, such as bombing, and unfortunately, some politicians were murdered. Now, a striking pattern that we see in this data is that there is a large and visible increase in attacks against politicians right around the period of elections. Democratic and Republican candidates in the United States have staged a final campaign push ahead of Tuesday's midterm elections. Elections are one of the most visible examples of a democracy in action. The killing of politicians during this time is often deliberate. But what are the reasons behind the timing? And what can we learn from this? First, it is possible that criminal groups want to discourage honest politicians to run for office. They want to screen out those non-corruptible politicians from the electoral competition so that they will not have to deal with them in the future. And if this is the case, then we should observe attacks taking place before elections. A second possibility is that organized crime attacks to obtain influence over whichever government gets elected. And then if this is the case, they will use attacks to put pressure on the new government as soon as it is elected. And so we should observe violence after elections take place. So what we find in the data is a strong support for this second idea. There is a 10% increase in the probability to observe attacks against politicians at the outset after elections, right in the 30 days right after local elections. And this is really a key period in which mayors appoint their government team and present their program. So it is a crucial period to influence important choices made by the government. Violence against politicians has been often treated as uh, just the sum of single different episodes that happen for a number of different reasons. But in our study, we find evidence that this is not necessarily the case. Violence is actually used systematically to strategically influence politicians as soon as they take possession of their office. And so we must be aware of this pattern if we want to try and stop it in the future. When Marielle Franco told her partner, Monica Benicio, that she was toying with the idea of running for Rio de Janeiro City Council, Benicio's gut reaction was, this is a bad idea. As a bisexual Afro-Brazilian woman raised in a slum, Marielle Franco incarnated several of Brazil's most vulnerable and marginalized demographics. Speaking out in favor of these long-oppressed groups could make her some powerful enemies. Marielle had spent many years campaigning on social justice issues and decided to run for city council in 2016 she went on to secure the fifth highest vote tally among the city's 51 council members. 
Marielle had been serving for a little over a year when, on 14 March 2018, two gunmen opened fire on the car she was traveling in, killing her and her driver, Anderson Gomes. She was 38 years old. Her murder sent shockwaves around Brazil, prompting an outpouring of grief and protests around the world. One very common phrase now in Brazil for human rights defenders is who asked for Marielle to be murdered, who ordered the killing, which has not been elucidated yet. But Antonio Sampaio is a senior analyst at the Globe Initiative. The main lines of investigation point to the militias because Marielle was very actively trying to pursue investigations and to shed light into activities of the militias in some, in some areas of Rio. Militias are groups that emerged in Brazil in the late 2000s. Different from other criminal networks, militias are largely formed by former or active military police officers. They forge a much more regular and sophisticated relationship with politicians and with the state. So whereas drug trafficking organizations have much less regular access to politicians and to police officers, it's much more difficult for them to form alliances, bribe police officers to convince them to not operate or favor them in exchange for money, for instance. For militias, because they emerge from the very core of the state, and especially the law enforcement, the security arm of the state, which is the military police, sometimes the civilian police, the military bodies, the, the armed forces, and even the fire brigades, because the, the members come from these institutions, they can form these very close cooperation. Several experts, local experts in Brazil, have noticed uh, over the last few years that the police has been conducting many more operations within areas controlled by drug traffickers than uh, with militias. That is important because when it comes to political disputes in Brazil, which have a history of political violence, of assassinations and intimidation, it is then the militias that are most well positioned to offer these services of violence as a resource for, for political power to the politicians. We've seen uh, not only the militias, but also there is a, a very famous, unfortunately, death squad in Rio that is called very simply the Oficina do Crime, which is the crime office, uh, which has been linked to several political assassinations. And there are indeed several politicians in the Rio Assembly that are allegedly linked to such crimes. So it, it is quite a strict linkage between the militias and, and politicians. And there is a concern that these linkages have been growing. Two former police officers are currently imprisoned, accused of the murder of Marielle Franco and her driver. But they deny the accusation. Little progress has been made in elucidating the questions around who ordered her assassination. As with many other cases of contract killings, politicians seem to be murdered with impunity. Impunity is a huge problem when it comes in general to criminal violence in Brazil, but especially in regards to this type of political violence. There are very few cases of murdered politicians that reach 
the, the criminal justice system, they, the, the investigations are not brought to court. In Brazil, the number of political assassinations is rising. So just in 2020, there were 107 assassinations linked to political motivations, according to the newspaper Estado de São Paulo, which also pointed to the gradual increase. In 2004, there were just 31 cases registered. It's more than a threefold increase. And, and very few cases reach the, the criminal justice system. The assassination of Marielle Franco has brought the scale of political violence in Brazil to the world's consciousness. But are reactions from the rest of the world enough to bring about justice and ensure the safety of politicians? Join us next time as we delve deeper into the complex web of criminal networks and corruption that can lead to the murder of politicians. What can be done to tackle this sensitive issue? If you enjoy the ripple effect, please share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.